coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. The last podcast is in captivity. The galaxy is at peace. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with ya. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as I am always joined, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. Mark, how's it going? It's going so good. So happy to be here with you, Patrick. I have to admit, though, that the the hair situation, specifically my hair situation, is getting a little bit untenable. It is getting a little bit out of control. Mm -hmm. Uh, Can I tell you that today we embarked on the first ever, hey, Sarah, I need you to cut the back of my (laughs) hair. (laughs) Because it was too long and too, like, in my neck. Um, and like, I, I can't see back there, so I can't do anything. So just like, I don't know, go to YouTube, here are some clippers, here are some scissors. Let's throw down a towel and get this done. Yeah, the day is fast approaching. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I, I, the difficulty, like, ideally, I would just like not try to cut my hair. But the difficulty is one that my, I'm just not made, I'm just not built for long hair. And two... I'm not built. I am not built for hats. I am not a hat mm. person. I'm uh, like, and I wish I cannot express to you how much I wish I was a hat person that I could wear hats, that my head shape and my face shape were mm. like, mm-hmm. that it all like blended together with hats. And, there, you know, I would wear a hat in the world of rejoice. That is not the case. I do not look good in hats. My body rejects hats. Um, speaking of not looking good in hats, uh, I turned on Sonic Forces to check, uh, <laughs> my original character, uh, in that game, and he's wearing a hat, and he looks terrible. He's an ugly little duck man, and I hate him. <laughs> <laughs> I had the game on for all of, like, seven seconds, and then was like, oh, no, I'm, I'm not gonna be playing this at all. Um, but speaking of my copy of Sonic Forces, if you would like to borrow it someday when we are back to mailing things, um, you should email us, put your name on the list. Um, you can send an email to Nintendo Cartridge Society at gmail.com and uh, give us a mailing address. And then I send it out to you. You play it for as long as you want. Um, but that'll all happen someday when we can all go out and get our hair cuts and uh, hairs cut. Get our hair cuts. Get. Hmm. We can all schedule appointments to get our hair cut. There we go. Talk around it. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> um, but yes, uh, do that. Um, uh, the last thing we... Okay, we are obviously discussing Super Metroid today. This is part of our awesome retro month in April. I don't know why I just called it awesome, but I did. Um, we are continuing this through the rest of the month. Next week, we are playing uh, Super Mario World 2 Yoshi's Island. So if you have any observations or cool things that you remember from playing Yoshi's Island, or if you're playing along with us, you can shoot us an email at Nintendo Cartridge Society at gmail.com. At gmail.com. And uh, then the week after that, we are playing... Star Fox, which again I have promised I'm going to play to the end of. Yeah, um, we're we're saying mm-hmm. this is a promise. We are playing Star Fox. It's like an affirmation. I'll say it when I wake up in the morning and face myself in the mirror. That's right. It's one of the it's it look, it's a choice you have to make every day, right? When you wake <laughs> up. <laughs> Today I'm gonna play Star Fox. Um, so I don't know. We'll be okay. Um, uh, on Tuesday's episode, we spoke, uh, briefly about, uh, we read, um, Connor's email. Connor, uh, emailed us and was, um, first of all, gave us the inside scoop about, uh, those commercials for Paper Mario and Mario collections. Uh, so thank you again, Connor. And he was also like, Hey, come check out my Zelda stream. Well, he wrote, wrote to us with some, uh, bad news this week. Um, he said, uh, I've got some bummer news. The stream for relief is postponed. As of yesterday, my internet connection took a severe dive. And after replacing both my router and modem today, it has not improved. I've been trying to solve the issue, uh, with the repair rep over the phone, but as of now, we are unsure what to do. 
I haven't been able to pull up uh, pull up a speed test. Uh, uh, oh, sorry, I haven't been able to even pull up a speed test web address to give you an idea of where we're at. Oh man, um, some of this going some of this going around right now, right? That is a bummer because, like, the only thing you need right now is internet. Yeah. Well, and also we have all trained ourselves now to like just use like we don't have our dvds anymore we don't have our books anymore we don't you know like we rely on the internet now and if it's being throttled within an inch of its life um that's a huge bummer so sorry connor um if you get that up and going again uh shoot us an email and uh you know we'll 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 be there okay mark are you ready to get into super metroid yeah let's do it Okay, so maybe we start here with just like building some context for the lay of the land when uh, Super Metroid came out. This is 1994, um, several years into the Super Nintendo's life, not far off from the um, from a the launch of the Virtual Boy, of course, relevant to this conversation, <laughs> uh, and the Nintendo 64, right? Um, and it was, uh, we're talking third game in the series, very much like uh, we were talking about uh, last week with Link to the Past. Um, and again, sort of, um, to me, this feels like uh, what they, this feels like a realization of the Metroid formula, like Metroid character, the Metroid aesthetic, um, in a way that the previous two games hadn't like fully achieved. Do you think that's right? Yeah, I feel like that's like true of a lot of that super nintendo games where and, and mm-hmm. not just like nintendo first party but in general it was like these people who had been making 8-bit games you know uh the world was suddenly open to them with 16-bit games and you know like i feel like final fantasy is a great example of this yeah, totally. as well um i do feel like super metroid kind of like fulfills the promise of what the early metroid games are although so i I am a latecomer to the Metroid franchise. Um, you know, it wasn't really with Prime until it was like truly on my radar. And so I'm curious, like, what was the state of Metroid in um uh, like at this time? Because like has Metroid ever been like a huge blockbuster franchise? You know? Like No, no. And I mean one of the reasons that, you know, they were they waited until nineteen ninety four to actually put this game out was that Metroid wasn't a it didn't drive sales in the same way that Mario or Zelda did. Um so like uh the you know, the the previous two games, there is the uh the NES one, um, which is, you know, still roundly considered a classic if an impenetrable classic. And um, the Game Boy one, which, um, you know, sort of just came around in the time when, like, they were making Game Boy games of everything, right? Like, we got a Kid Icarus 2, for crying out loud, <laughs> uh, on, on Game Boy. And I, I feel like this uh, Metroid 2 fell into that same bucket, right? Of, like, we're just making it because, like, it's IP that we have, um, and the game's not super fleshed out, um, and, you know... Like Metroid Two has all kinds of problems. Well, and also, and I like could be totally wrong here, but also weren't both Kid Icarus and Metroid? They were developed yeah. by um, EAD One, which like also developed the hard the Game Boy hardware, and so and they also did like Super Mario Land. So like you know like Metroid and um, Kid Icarus are kind of their babies. So then it would make sense that they'd be like, and also we're gonna make some Game Boy entries in these series. Yeah. So I don't uh, I don't think that there was like a huge fervent like a- anywhere in, in certainly not uh, like Metroid is less popular in Japan than it is in the states. But even on uh, even in uh, North America, I don't think there was any like specific excitement for. Um, Super Metroid before it came out. Um, obviously, in the years since, it has been sort of crowned like the king of video games, the father of the Metroidvania genre, um, and not without reason. Like it, it is a um, it it establishes both like a Metroid formula and a formula of like how to make the player loop back around on a world, like you know, getting new power ups um, and this sort of uh, what is available to you changing based on what equipment you have coming into it 
so I know that you really love this game, and so I I am curious mm-hmm. to know like how you came to Super Metroid. Sure. Um. Well, I originally played it on the Super Nintendo, and this is a uh, uh like when it came out in 1994. Um, and it is a game that I don't really remember how it came into my possession. Um, but like I think. Because did you love, I don't know. like, original Metroid? Like, when did you get no, into I, Metroid in general? I got into Metroid in general with uh, Metroid 2, The Return of Samus. Whoa. Um, on, on the Game Boy, yeah. Um, so, like, uh, that, that was, you know, I had played a little bit of the original Metroid um, uh, just, you know, on, on Friends NESs and never really got anywhere because the game's so hard. But, like, I really sunk my teeth into the, the second one um, and would play it on, like, long car trips. Um, that's a game that I actually beat, like in the like the original like, Game Boy cartridge of it. Um, and like it is a long slog of a game. There's no map. Uh, Samus is too big. Like, but for whatever reason, I just I you know fell in love with the aesthetic and of like hunting Metroids. So maybe that was it. Maybe when Super Metroid came out, I knew it as the sequel to this awful Game Boy <laughs> game. <laughs> and that's that that's why I got into it. So you you mentioned that you didn't get into the Metroid series until Prime? Yeah, so like I was aware of Metroid, I was aware of Samus. Like mm-hmm. uh, I knew the series existed, I knew the characters. I uh had I had have, have to this day never played Metroid 2 on the Game Boy. Um, I was aware of like Metroid and Super Metroid from playing, going to like friends' house, seeing them playing, playing it for a little bit. But these are not games where you're like, I'm gonna have an enjoyable experience playing for this for like 20 minutes, picking up, you yeah. know, like for my friend's save and like that sort of thing. Um, so it was not until Metroid Prime came out that like the series was reintroduced to me, and then um, mm-hmm. like the GBA uh, entries, like Zero Mission. I I love those games so much. Yeah, well, you were a big uh, GBA boy, right? So right. Like, you were looping back around on a lot of um, like the classic Nintendo uh, library with the GBA. But then there are also these two like stellar examples of uh, 2D Metroid, uh, brand new to the Game Boy Advance. <laughs> so and so, I had played Super Metroid, but this playthrough was like the first time that I, in one, like, go, have played through, like, Super Metroid. Wow. That it that blows my mind a little bit. Because uh, Super Metroid is a game that I probably play once a year. Um, maybe not quite that frequently, but, like, going back to it feels like coming home, right? Um, so, I, again, I just want to call up a, a, an email that Martin sent to us a couple weeks ago. Um, it, it was in regards to uh, the um, Link to the Past at the time. I'm just going to reiterate it. He says, one thing I would love for you to discuss is how well these games would suit someone who has no nostalgia for them and has become used to games with 21st century quality of life improvements. I know that will be tough as your playthroughs will be bundled with tons of emotions, but I trust you two to step back and give an objective opinion. Martin, I want you to know, I tried very hard <laughs> as I was playing the game this time to view it not as like just my uh, like super comfort food, um, which, you know, it <laughs> in April of 2020, like if anything even remotely resembles comfort food, I'm like, give it to me. <laughs> I want to zone out. Um, but so, uh, yeah, I, so you, you maybe didn't have to uh, put that filter on as much, huh? Yeah, for sure. So, Martin, I've got your back, definitely. <laughs> um, uh, okay, so we've got, um, we've got an, another email from um, uh, Josh. Josh is um, playing along with us. Um, and so I'll just uh, read the email here. There are a couple observations and a couple questions. So maybe we'll stop between each observation. Great. Okay. Uh, Uh, The email goes, hey guys, just sharing some Super Metroid impressions. Super Metroid was actually one of my biggest blind spots in gaming. My first Metroid experiences were with Prime, which I loved, uh, but the only 2D Metroid I've beaten is Zero Mission. Mark, is this you? Did you write this email? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I've always wanted to go back and play Super Metroid, so thanks for the excuse. Uh, I've seen speed runs of it before, but obviously playing it is a way different experience entirely. Anyway, I figured I'd give some specific things that stuck out to me. Uh, item number one, floaty jumps. 
The jump is way floatier than I was expecting. I was put off at first, especially as someone who's played a ton of Metroidvanias in the past, but I like it now. Uh, it feels different. It just wasn't what I had expected. Uh, so the way Samus controls, um, Mark, how do you feel about the way she jumps? Uh, I actually, I found it to be one of, like, I liked the fact that uh, her jump is pretty floaty because you use it to your advantage, even from the beginning, the ability to, yeah. like, jump really high. And then that just kind of, like, expands um, as you power up yeah. through the game. And when you get the high jump boots um, and you are, like, clearing an entire screen vertically, um, the jump needs to be floaty in that regard, right? So you can actually, like, navigate the, the space. I also think uh, one of the cool, like, mechanics of the game is, like, Samus's two kinds of base jumps, right? Mm -hmm. um, that, like, if you jump and then start to move her... Um, she does this sort of like standing jump, which uh, maybe gets more height, but you can't really like move as far horizontally um, versus if you are already moving when you jump and she starts to somersault. Um, and like those two jumps have different physics to them. Um, and it's a, a kind of cool thing to like wrestle between those two. Mm hmm. Uh, his next point, the wall jump is very hard. It took me a while to be able to do it at all, although I guess it isn't necessary. I've seen speedrunners who do it effortlessly, though, so I kept trying to do it, and I, I probably can only do it like half the time successfully at this point. Do you guys ever do the wall jump? Mark, do I, you do the I wall jump? I think I pretty much made it through this playthrough without purposefully doing the wall jump. I think I inadvertently... <laughs> did it a couple mm -hmm. of times but for the most part no because i find it i mean i found a a number of like the things you're supposed to do to control samus in this game to be very complicated um and so no i didn't mm -hmm. even i didn't even bother to attempt the, the wall jump um the wall so did you not do the uh, the part where there are like the little green monkey guys that like hop back and forth up the uh up the passageway i think i just I mean, are we when we say wall jump, are we talking about space jump? Because I think I just space jumped the whole thing. Oh, I mean, if you had the space jump at that point, then yeah, you wouldn't need it. Um, but uh, yeah, the uh, yeah, no, the, the the wall jump is different, right? The the wall jump is uh, like actually bouncing off the wall, and you can do it at any point in the game. Oh yeah, no, I definitely never purposefully did that. So the, the reason that the wall jump is complicated is that Samus can only do it when she's in this like stance where she's like pushing against the wall. And the way you have to do it is you have to be doing a cartwheel jump, up, be up against the wall, and then push the opposite direction. And then like she kind of does something like this, and then you can push the jump button, which is like out of order for how most double jumps work. Um, so I, look, Josh, this is something I did not, uh, I was not able to tackle when I was playing this when I was 12. Um, so it, like it, it's, not, it's not an easy thing to do. Um, do I use it? Yeah, but it's because this game is in my veins, right? Um, next note from Josh, the Brinstar theme. I know it made it pretty far in the music, uh, in the music tournament, but having played the game, I more gre greatly appreciate how much of a banger the Brinstar theme is. It rules. <laughs> Mark, what do you think about music in general in this game? Uh, I thought it was really good. Um, you know, it's it's really creepy. Uh, my husband, like, while I was playing it, even mentioned, like, apropos of kind of nothing, he was just like, wow, that's, like, really creepy music. Um, it <laughs> is, like, and it is. And, but it's also, I mean, it it's a banger. Like, what more can you say? Like, the way it, like, builds on itself and it's appropriately creepy and then other times, you know, like, it's a little bit more rocking. It's really good. Yeah, and every now and then that like little fanfare comes out, um, where that like bum ba bum 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 bum, um, and you're just like, whoa, whoa, it's I'm a hero now for a, for a second. <laughs> um, okay, uh, next observation: the metal as hell statue. This is very specific, but when I first saw that gold statue thing with all the bosses kind of melded together, it really hit me how Alien and H.R. Giger influenced this game. Uh, the statue was weirdly cool to me. Um, I always forget about that thing. Yeah, so this is, like, before you take the elevator down to, for, like, the final mm -hmm. time, right? And it's, like, that big, like, amalgamation of everything with, like, the five or whatever different colored uh, gems yeah. on it. Yeah, that thing is awesome. 
and it is cool that like yes you do take it into like the it's an elevator into the the main area or the main final area um but you encounter it super early in the game right like it is something that you see well before like if you come across it right like well, most of this game you can just sort of like not see um or see way out of order uh but like it is encounterable very very early on in the game before you even have like super missiles or have fought any bosses um just this cool uh golden statue thing um one one last observation or one last question from Josh and then uh we'll go into just our experiences with uh, this specific playthrough. Um, Josh says, is the podcast's name a pun or a reference of some sort? <laughs> I've, been li- <laughs> I've been listening for a couple of years now, and it seems too specific to not be a reference to something. I feel like I can't be the only one wondering this. Josh, I wish I could tell you that it was. I don't think it is. <laughs> not that I remember no, anyways. Not. Yeah. <laughs> here's uh, uh so he- here's the thing i think uh both of us liked uh the idea of having a three-word name right like that that was appealing um and then i i was like the only thing is we have to have the word nintendo in the title of the show so that it can be discoverable uh and then beyond that i don't know how we landed at cartridge and society no. uh, but i think we thought it sounded classy <laughs> no i there's there's no you way i think that's right that that's the reason we landed on it but no i i i but i do think you're right that it's kind of lost to time i i my memory is that you came up with it um mm. but i have because no, i thought it was classy <laughs> but i have no i have no memory of like yeah how it came to be um uh, our early logo was like a uh like a seal right like a like an academic seal yeah um so i think i i still do think that we were aiming for something that sounded like joke classy mm-hmm. or just classy and i don't know what the difference is between the two <laughs> <laughs> it's a thin line for sure yeah um but to answer your question josh no it's not a pun or a reference or anything and we just own it now <laughs> Um, so Mark, tell me about, uh, your general impressions of, uh, playing this game. Okay. I really, really liked it, uh, with the caveat that I used a guide for the entire thing because I think I would have hated it if I tried to play without a guide. Um, so that is, that, uh, tracks for me, um, I have a, an internal guide basically for a, a lot of this game. Um, and I always get turned around and confused and frustrated in Meridia. Oh um, when the, when the game reaches that part, it is so, it, it punishes you for falling in ways that are really terrible and, and obnoxious. Um, and like, the fact that when you finish up there and you finally do like beat that boss, there's no real like fast travel option to get you like the lack of fast travel in this game in general um, is like a real knock against it in 2020. Right. Yeah. I have a really hard, I mean, I've talked about it on the show. Like I hate not knowing what I'm supposed to do or where I'm supposed to go in games. I hate like the feeling of being lost and just like stumbling around until you hopefully like, figure out where you're supposed to go or what you're supposed to do. And I think they're like, this game would drive me crazy. Like I just wouldn't play. <laughs> I just wouldn't yeah. play it if I didn't have like the ability to be like, where am I supposed to go right now? Yeah. And it like, cause the game itself doesn't really have uh, outside of the um, like very beginning of the game. There's no text that explains anything. Right. Um, or even really establishes your priorities, and there are no waypoints on the map even, right? Like, you go, you map out an area, and, like, they're just little dots on it, and it's like, there is an item, there's something there. Um, yeah, like, I, I feel like it, the later games do a much better job of, you know, like, letting you mark the map, or at least, like, have some sense of customization, or the maps are just more explicit, whereas this, it was like, uh, I have a hard time believing anybody finds the map useful. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I find the map useful once I've, like, been through an area a bunch of times. Um, or when, like, uh, when I'm coming back through Brinstar after having done, like, all of Norfair and, like, you know, little bits of the, uh, the ghost ship. And then I've got, like, all this other stuff. And I'm like, okay, what rooms didn't I get to last mm-hmm. time? Uh, then, then I know where to, like, get, you know, whatever extra little items. Um, but yeah, it is not, uh, 
it's interesting that you say that uh, other games, like uh, later Metroids, do it better. They certainly do it differently, right? Like, um, I think there's a, a, a hard balance between um, giving you enough direction and giving you no direction. And this one, I think, definitely does err on the side of not giving you enough direction. Um, let's, uh, let, let's talk a little bit about how the game opens. Um, because I think the, I think Super Metroid has one of the strongest like first twenty minutes uh, of like any game ever. Um, go. I, I mean, I love the presentation in this game in general. I really feel it like so. You know, for like all of the you know things I'm going to talk about, where I found it challenging, or you know, like it shows its it shows its age in certain areas. Yeah. I think one thing that it uh has like that holds up is the aesthetic is the sound is like the design um it is yeah like on that part it is incredible uh it is also worth noting that at the very beginning of this game when there is a voice there's text on the screen and a voice a voice that speaks to you from your super nintendo <laughs> says the last metroid is in ca- captivity the galaxy is at peace which in 1994 was the longest uninterrupted stretch of dialogue I had heard coming out of a video game ever. Um, and it blew my mind. Um, you'll never hear speaking again. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, a, it's, but, ama- uh, it's amazing to me how much the, uh, you know, like it was mentioned earlier, but like the aesthetic is ripped basically like exactly from Aliens um Mm -hmm. but like it works so like uh it's so funny to watch like the i don't know what you would call like the um uh so you like turn on the game and you let it sit for a while and it starts like playing this thing and it's like 1994 nintendo super metroid and it's uh it's basically just a rip off the first alien trailer and then but but like it's it's just like cool to see it rendered basically in like this like 16 bits and like the, even just like the start screen is so neat where like you turn on the game um you know like there's like this metroid in a test tube and it like pulls out more and i think like it's like uh like scientists are like laying on the ground in this like lab yeah. where this metroid like all of it is just like so iconically cool yeah. Well, and yes, the the way the uh, like the first moments of the game, including when you first turn it on, like you say, that 1994 Nintendo, and then it doesn't say Super Metroid right it says away. Metroid it says 3? Metroid Three. Metroid Three. Yeah. Um, which I always found like the like incongruity there, um, like just like fascinating. Like there that there's something here that like I'm not meant to understand, or I don't get to understand. Why are they calling it Metroid Three and not Super Metroid? Um. And then, yeah, like you say, you you see the uh, uh, so it's it's like panning across the parts of this scene of like the Metroid in in the jar, um, or like this big tube thing, and the scientists on the ground, and then like you push a button, and like that's the start screen. Um, so that's like something that's sort of drilled into you visually um, as you're playing the game, and you're or as as but before you before you you're playing the game, you're experiencing the game before you even start playing it, um, because. Uh, once you start the game, it does this opening cinematic um, with uh, complete with the <laughs> only voice acting in the game and like this nice little setup of like Sam, it, like it recaps the end of uh, Metroid 2 and my brain just about exploded when I was 12 because I knew those beats. I played them. Um, and then like you get called back to uh, you get called back to that the space station um, and your brain is already sort of putting it together that like oh, that's, that's where I saw, uh, that's what I see on the start screen, um, is that, that station and the Metroid in this tube. And then when you run through that area, that tube is busted open and the Metroid is nowhere to be found. Uh, so, like, it, the game it does such a great job of introducing, like, here's normal, like, here's safe. Um, and then as soon as you get there, it's not safe anymore. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> I, you were saying that the first 20 minutes of this game are like iconic and they completely are. Again, you know, you go back to the planet um, and it's raining, of course, which is just like my favorite thing yep. in video games. But it, like the the opening of this game is so cinematic, which is amazing because they're doing it in 16 bits. But yeah. and I think like obviously out of necessity, the later you get into the game, it becomes more like a video game. 
um, and it mm-hmm. loses some of that like quality. But uh, yeah, the opening of it is just astounding. Yeah, and I would say that it is then also matched by the end of the game, um, which it's not. Uh, it's not really as cinematic, but it it because uh, it tells like the, it tells the the story of the end of the game all like in in game graphics, um, and really without telling you that it's doing storytelling. Um, so uh, should we like spoil this? I guess yeah. The, why not? The game's the game's twenty six years old. Um, so just play it. Uh, but there's a like you encounter the original Metroid that Samus rescued back at the end of Metroid Two, and it is huge. Um, and it has sucked dry all these other monsters in this area. Like you encounter their lifeless husks of corpses, uh, and they just wither away into dust, like Thanos snapped them away. Um, and it, including, uh, it, you see it suck the life out of a creature that you encountered first in the previous room that you are unable to harm in any way, shape or form. Um, awesome, right? An awesome little like gameplay thing. Um, and it just destroys it. And then it like, uh, goes after you, uh, and it latches on like the Metroids, uh, previously in this section have, have done and starts draining the health out of you and drains you down to one health point and then like backs off. Um, and as soon as it backs off, you're able to like move around and shoot at it if you want. Um, like it, at, at no point does it like take control away from you to start telling you this story. Um, and then like it, it, uh, it makes some like little kind of cute squeaky noises and then flies away. Um, cut ahead to like 10 minutes later when you're fighting mother brain mother brain's got you on the ropes um again draining you down to like a single health point or some something near that um and then the metroid swoops in and saves you from mother brain and again this is all while you are still playing like the game doesn't change at all during these moments um it attacks mother brain it drains all the life out of her and then deposits that life into you um meanwhile mother brain stands back up and is like attacking the metroid like repeatedly and the music is just dun 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 dun. it's awesome (laughs) um and uh then uh the the metroid like leaves you all super powered up uh and it like swoops in to attack mother brain and mother brain takes it out uh and it like explodes over you raining down the powers of the hyper beam or whatever it's called um and then you just blast uh mother brain with with its energy and it's the coolest thing ever it really is that the final fight is so effective like that entire sequence is like so effective and like i don't think i didn't find the mother brain fight to be particularly challenging i didn't really find no. any like i didn't really find any of the boss battles to be challenging but that was but that was okay like they were i felt like the good ones were inventive and so it was like yes you could like kill the bosses pretty easily like uh which one is it or like uh dragon or whatever where like if it picks you up you can use your hyper beam and just like electrocute it basically um yeah you know like that kind of stuff uh but i feel like the joy of the game is not the combat. I think the joy of the game is definitely not the combat. The joy of the game mm, is like similar to Breath of the Wild, where like the joy of it is discovering the world and mm-hmm. you know how like because I I feel like for the it's very thoughtfully crafted. Like each section is really distinct. Um, my favorite one was actually like the wrecked ship. I lo- I really yeah. like the wrecked ship area. Um, I love, I like the Fantoon boss a lot. And then I loved little like Gronk droids that are walking around when, They're um... so funny. <laughs> I love them. So I love that it's just like this pastiche of like sci-fi references and like movies that people like. Um, but the, and I feel like the mother brain fight, just like you were saying, the beginning of the game is cinematic. The end of the game is also like fittingly, um, like big and interesting. Um, and it, it's also worth pointing out that like the, the mother brain fight has kind of like two phases to it, right? There's like one where she's just a brain in a jar. Um, and that is, uh, exactly like one for one, the exact layout of the mother brain fight in the original Metroid, um, which, uh, is, and is also like an area that you run through, uh, super early in the game too, right? Like you end up going through, uh, in reverse order um the sort of mother brain room before like the lights even come on um on this planet 
Um, so like it's very, it is uh, maybe weird, right? Because uh, we were talking about how there like wasn't a huge fervor or like a fan base for Metroid uh, before this game came out, but they're still like making hardcore references to the original game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I kind of feel like uh, Super Metroid and then like Metroid Prime were on, like the Metroid franchises are like on two like parallel paths in a weird way. Like, um, mm-hmm. you know, the thing that's praised so much about Super Metroid is like it's aesthetic and how much it like leans into uh, that like aliens sort of thing going on. Um, and then, like, you know, the later Metroid games that Sakamoto has had a hand in, they've become a lot more, like, chatty. They've introduced, like, new characters where it's really like, oh, like, what made Metroid and Super Metroid, like, so cool was that sense of isolation. Um, and yeah. I feel like Metroid Prime kind of, like, weirdly had the same trajectory where, like, the original Metroid Prime really captured that Super Metroid spirit of isolation. And then as the series mm-hmm. went on, they were just like, and also here's some like Marines for you to talk to. And like, oh, you know, like all that kind of stuff that yeah. just like kind of t- uh, like almost like to me took away from the franchise. Yeah. I, and, you know, like the, it, it is really interesting because like you do see it um, that like Prime uh both prime well i get yeah so prime is very much like you find your own way like you figure out your way around uh this place and like there's a lot of reading if you want it but like you don't have to read any of the scan stuff if you don't want to um but like at the uh zero mission which comes out the same year is it zero mission first or a fusion first i don't remember i don't remember either they came out right on top of each other um and they're both they both start to like add that chattiness that you're talking about right like fusion has this like running commentary by like an ai that's trying to impersonate your uh like former commanding officer um so like it tells you where to go and opens up locations um like based on where it thinks you should go next um so like yeah there's this this and prime are sort of like the last like true bastions of that like metroid is a game about isolation Feeling. Yeah, exactly. Um, also, uh, I, yeah, I looked it up. It looks like Fusion came out first, and then Zero Mission okay. was later. Um, and Fusion, of course, is the latest game in the Metroid timeline that there is. We've never gotten past Metroid Four. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's true. Um, all right. Uh, Mark, we mentioned the bosses a little bit. Um, but we haven't mentioned the the two like big bosses that are like the the returns from uh the original metroid uh ridley and craid um he's super easy but i love that craid fight i, <laughs> I love you it's so because he's this enormous it starts off huge right as full screen tall um and it's just like you know the his bust basically um and uh you hit him a couple times and then he stands up and is this multi-screen tall um i uh, it's it's amazing that they can pull that off on the super nintendo right i i also uh for whatever reason that i you know like uh why does anybody fall in love with anybody you know like how do you <laughs> how do you explain that attraction i find right. Craig so adorable because is he grotesque <laughs> yes absolutely yes. but like does he have too re- many thumbnails <laughs> you bet <laughs> but is he for whatever reason super lovable yep that's craid you just can't not like the guy oh okay there is another and it's not like a boss i think it's like a a mini boss or something that i also find adorable who is objectively horrifying <laughs> it is it's the the thing that you fight right after um you get the power bombs and then you go back into um norfair it's this big red thing right he's like squat and he's got uh like three rows of eyes on his head and you have to like knock him into oh yeah 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 that you can't actually deal damage to him you can only ever knock him back um i always find that thing to be adorable (laughs) well i also i also like that encounter because again it's like something a little bit different um mm-hmm. it's you know like it's a different type of i don't know if it's a boss i think you're right it might just be like a mini boss encounter but yeah it's just like a different way you're like oh i can't just like 
uh, like super missile this thing to death, there right. there's like an additional layer of strategy on top of it. Well, and then again, this is a a point for the um for just like the presentation is that once you knock him into this lava pit. Uh, you watch as his flesh melts from his bones <laughs> <laughs> as it comes up screaming over and over again. And then you're like, all right, great. That thing's done. And then you like run off to the other side and then it knocks down a wall and you just see its skeleton like amble forward and collapse. In yeah. Front and of it's you. like death throws. Yeah. Th- that whole yeah. encounter is so cool. Um, But okay. Before we get to, uh, I, I want to like compliment sandwich this thing. And so uh, yeah. here in the you know the middle, I just kind of want to like slide in my big critique the of the game and where yes. where uh, I think like it definitely shows its age. It's just limited by the Super Nintendo controller, and that is cycling through your like um, items is such yep. a chore, especially when you're trying to like switch between things quickly, right? Like at the end, you have to kill all of the Metroids. And like to me, the easiest way to do that was like I'll freeze them, and then I will use like a, a super missile and just like blow them up. But then having to like cycle between those things, unless there's like some trick that I don't know about, where it's like okay, I have uh, like the the just my regular gun out. I'm gonna freeze them, and now I hit select twice to get to the super missiles, and then I hit select four times so I don't have the super missiles selected anymore. That part is infuriating. Are you about to tell me that there's a quick way to do this? <laughs> there's a quick way to do part of it. Um, you can go back to your regular gun at any time by hitting Y. What? Yeah. So <laughs> if, you, if you have missiles selected and you no longer want missiles selected, you don't have to push select to get to super missiles, select <laughs> to get to power bombs, select to get to grapple beam, select to get to x-ray scope, select to get to regular weapon. You just hit why no (laughs) but even still even still it is uh it is too much i also found this time um and again this is a game that i love with all my heart um that i could not believe how annoying the x-ray scope is oh my Um, gosh that like you when you use it you necessarily stop moving uh as does everything else everything just freezes (laughs) but you have you have to pull it out and then point it at the surface that you want to. Like, it should just be a thing where, like, it's another button on the controller or something where you just push L and R at the same time and it just, like, sends out a beacon and anything that you can interact with just, like, lights up. And you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it should be so much faster than it is and it shouldn't slow you down uh, in nearly the same way that, that it slows you down. And I hated, I hated, hated, hated the grapple beam. I hate the grapple beam. Okay, all right. I will hear your criticism of the grapple beam. Um but I also want to uh, want to say first that I don't think there is a 16-bit game that gets this mechanic right. Cuz it is weird in Super Castlevania. Um it is bad in that um that Mickey Mouse game that also has like a grapple beam. Do you know the one I'm talking about? Uh, Castle of Illusion or something. I think Castle of Illusion was the uh, Genesis one. <laughs> we'll, well never know. Oh, uh, oh, yeah, we'll never know. <laughs> um, but go, go. Uh, yeah. Well, okay. So, like, I for whatever reason, and maybe it was, um, maybe it's just because, again, like, I, uh, played Super Super Castlevania way more than Super Metroid. The kind of like grapple beam esque, uh, using your whip to like, um, grab onto things and then like swing back and forth in Super Castlevania. I like now does not phase me at all. And so I'm imagining maybe that's what it was like for you with the grapple beam. Oh, interesting. But like coming to the grapple beam now, like I, as soon as I got super jump, I could not, or space jump, I could not have been happier, except <laughs> trying to mm. space jump vertically is very complicated. Yeah, it, it has a, uh, that's another one where like the window for when you push the jump to like get a jump on top of your jump is weirdly specific Mm -hmm. um, that like if you try to do it too early or like at the literal apex of the jump, it doesn't work that she needs to be like on her way back down. Um, And, you know, heaven help you. If you should uh, accidentally not do like the cartwheel jump, then you're just falling back down. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, I believe it's uh, uh, the uh, Magical Quest starring Mickey Mouse. I believe. Is, oh, okay. Is what I, I, I don't know yeah. that I've ever played that one. Um, it's fine. It's got uh, one level where you're using a, a, a grappling hook, and the <laughs> here's the thing. Here, here, here's the real thing. Is that I don't think, uh, the, like the Super Nintendo is uh, simulating physics in some way, um, that doesn't totally track, like. The number of times that I would be trying to like get Samus to launch herself at like a ninety degree angle and go like up and to the right and just get her to launch like straight up with the grapple beam, uh, it it's so it's so much. It happens all the time. Uh, it it feels really unreliable. What what did you play it on? What hardware did you play it on this time? I played it on the um, Super NES Classic. Where would you play? Uh, I played on the Switch. So I guess basically what we did for a Link to the Past. For a link to the past, like it, there is so little use for like it doesn't link to the past does not require um like very specific movements, right? It's not like really mm-hmm. timing based, and so there were times playing this game where yeah, I w- probably wish I would have played on the SNES Classic and using a like a real SNES controller, a real Super Nintendo, uh huh, like yeah. having like the D pad for that type of thing. That helps it a little bit, um, and like the having the select button be like just mildly more accessible does help. Um, this is one of the few games where the select button feels like an action button, right? Um, instead of like a a menu thing or like something that you're gonna have to dig through, like you have to use it all the time. <laughs> um, yeah, th- this game just needed more buttons or something. I do want to, um, like last we brought it up last week but i i do want to give a shout out to the uh the game manual that you can find online and we've included Mm -hmm. the link in the show notes it has like this really cool map of the planet zebus um oh cool it's it's like cut like a uh like an ant farm and so you can like you get an idea of what you're into or what you're getting into and then you know that when you hit meridia um you're just in for a bad time like it just doesn't look fun even on the map here's okay Here's what I, I will say one great thing about Meridia because there is one phenomenal thing about Meridia, uh, and it is the way you first enter it. Um, it is a tube that you have been running through a lot uh, in the early game because there's a lot of backtracking, and it's during like uh, a, a part that like it's almost a figure eight that like you have to keep running through this area to like loop around here and then loop around another area. Um, but it's this tube, and you can see outside that it's like a watery area. And you get into it by letting setting off a power bomb in this tube. Which again, if you don't know that that's what you're supposed to do, I don't know how you ever come to that. I don't know how I came to it originally. Um, but like the environment destructs, and suddenly you're in like a new space. It's an insanely cool moment in that game. It is um, very cool. But then you got to actually play the uh, the section is full <laughs> of like fish and. Uh, music that's like too creepy for its own good. <laughs> yeah, I feel like so to me, like the legacy of Super Metroid. Um, like I a hundred percent understand why this game like captured the imagination of so many people, and why mm. Super Metroid is like the basis for an entire genre of, especially now. Like there are so many like indie games that you know like riff on the ideas of Super Metroid. Um, but it's also like a, such a great example of why like that franchise has always been or like that genre has always been a little bit difficult for me because again like it is so predicated on backtracking it's so predicated on you wanting to explore the map and like being willing to like be lost and that's like that's for me personally like the way I play games that's a really difficult like hump to get over yeah yeah totally um and it's it it is another one of those games because like i i see like the those same flaws in it right um that like one of the things that i like about it is that i feel lost and overwhelmed and like i need to explore the space um but i also know that i have like a little bit of a cheat built in uh knowing that i know how to get through it um so like when I try to envision what my ideal Metroid game is, um, like, do I really want to feel like lost and overwhelmed in a new game? Like, is, is that, is that what I actually want? Uh, and then when they give me a Metroid that is, um, too straightforward, I'm like, no, this isn't what I want. Uh, so like, I, I feel like this 
my experience with this game sets me up to uh, have a weird relationship with uh, the series going forward. Yeah, I, I mean, I think playing this again, you really, and you really, like, I appreciate now kind of how much they've painted themselves into, into a corner with the Metroid franchise, because yeah. I don't, I really, I don't know what you do. Um, I feel like Metroid Prime was an amazing effort in kind of like rebooting the series and bringing it back to those Super Metroid roots, but they ran into the same problems that the like, whatever you want to call it, like mainline Metroid franchise did where it's like, okay, yeah. but then like, if we want this to be anything than it is, we have to make it more accessible. And I feel like uh, the Game Boy Advance games have done the best job of threading that needle but people hate it, you know, like, yeah, well, I, but I mean, like, uh, I think, I think zero mission does a, a good job of threading the needle. I think fusion is too far on the, on the side of guiding you through it. It's still a very good game. Um, but like, yeah, it, uh, for me, it feels like too handholdy. It feels, uh, like a piece with, um, uh, Metroid Prime Three, right, where there are like all these other characters, all these other voices and stuff. Yeah, and I um, mean, re- and definitely like Fusion. Um, whatever you think of the game, I like it a lot, but it definitely sets the stage for Other M and like the bigger problems mm-hmm. with Other M. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, one one hundred percent. Um, it's also like, you know, we we say that like, yeah, Prime came along and like kind of reinvented or like rebooted um this sort of feeling. Um, you know, and so the the gap between those, uh, Super Metroid was 94 and Metroid Prime was 2002. We're only talking eight years. It's been 18 years since Metroid Prime, right? Like, um, we're in such a, uh, like whatever happens next with Metroid, um, I mean, I don't want to say it's like going to be a make or break thing for, for the, for the franchise, but it like, it needs Metroid Prime 4 needs to establish a new like direction new priorities um and just like establish itself as somehow separate and somehow also carrying on the legacy of these of these amazing games yeah i i 100 percent agree like the more i think about it and even just talking about it tonight i feel like metroid prime 4 almost i will be curious if it is actually metroid prime 4 or if it yeah, ends up too. being like a new starting point for the series a new take on what metroid can be almost like a reboot of the series because it's been you know like uh, uh metroid prime 3 came out in 2007 and i know we just got the remake of metroid 2 um for the 3ds but uh oh, yeah yeah but like that but that and that is an interesting game in and of itself um with the way it tries to like thread the needle between approachability and like being a little bit more combat focused, I don't know. It's it, like Metroid is such a weird series it, it, that. Oh, here's I, here's here's the thing. If uh, Samus Returns was on Switch, it would have been a hit. Like changing nothing, it would have been a hit, right? Like people would have been into it. They would have played it. Uh, I think a lot of um, its legacy is going to be tied up in the unfortunate fact that it was on the 3DS when we were all done playing 3DS. I mean, I I think I I think it's sold pretty well um sure it would have killed on switch (laughs) by all accounts and you know like who knows maybe mercury steam is working on something for switch right now Uh, to me i feel like the real like um reason that the remake was kind of controversial was because of its emphasis on combat uh where it's Mm -hmm. just like there was so much like stop block shoot you know like in a way that uh the other 2d games didn't really have that kind of emphasis um but yeah, I mean, it's just another point where it's like, look, I don't want this, so fingers crossed. But like, you know, at what point do, are they kind of like Star Foxed or is Metroid like Star Fox or F-Zero where they're like, I don't really know what else we do with this. I mean, it's it's a good point. Um, You know, you said uh, uh, Prime 3 was however many years ago it was um, and uh, Metroid Other M was a full 10 years ago. So like, um, even like the the effort to like bring the series back again, um, that we're ten years removed from. So, um, and like the only things that we've seen, <laughs> we are. Hey, Mark, we are leaving out Federation forces, of course. <laughs> You're right, of course. Uh huh. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, it's a it, it's a fascinating series to like consider, um, and like the uh, the sort of posts of like the game of the series being good are so good, right? And so like solid. And Super Metroid is really like where that starts. Um, and it's just like I don't know. It's uh, one of those things where you're like, I don't can this be replicated in a way that uh, can still be exciting? And the answer is I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea either. Uh, so, Mark, what do you say? Is this a game that you recommend to someone who has no nostalgia for it in 2020? Yeah, I mean, I have the same recommendation, honestly, that I did for Link to the Past, where it's like, use a guide. Um, and Because I, I think it's totally worth it. I think it is worth experiencing, but abs- 100% use a guide. Um, this, uh, I actually, again, I love this game. I have a little bit harder time recommending it than I do, uh, Link to the Past. I think Link to the Past feels more modern now than Super Metroid does. Um, so like, I, obviously I love this game, uh, more than most, uh, people in my life. (laughs) Um, and, uh, it's, it's, uh, amazing and it's part of me. Um, but like you have to recognize it as an as an old game, right? That it has some like outdated modes of interacting with it. That select button's a real problem. Meridia's a real problem. Um, the wall jump, which is uh, is tough to do, uh, can be super useful. But like you can also play the whole game without uh, ever figuring it out. Yeah, I think I think that's really fair. Like a link to the past to me, I don't think has ever been surpassed by um, any of the like kind of like indie game that were inspired by it. But I definitely feel like there are those Metroidvania games that I have enjoyed more than Super Metroid. Um, do you have one like in mind? That, that you're yeah, I mean, that... uh, just offhand, like immediately, it's not exactly Super Metroid, but like um, SteamWorld Dig 2. I loved mm. that game. And, you know, like... Uh, it has a lot of like the mechanic where you're like diving down into an area, you don't know where you are, but they make it so much easier for you to get back to the surface. You know, like the map is better. The sense of like space and exploration is much clearer what your like objectives mm-hmm. are. I really, really like that game. Yeah. Uh, and like, uh, you know, I enjoyed the heck out of the last half of the messenger, which I know like you didn't uh, like stick around for. Um, but like, as that game opens up and, turns from a Ninja Gaiden game into a Castlevania, uh, Metroidvania game. Um, like it's great at it too. Like again, uh, giving you a real sense of like what all these map areas are and a useful map and fast travel, um, all that kind of stuff, uh, that this game just, you know, Oh, if only it came out 20 years later. (laughs) Uh, all right. Well, Mark, let, let's close up this, uh, part of the conversation. I would love to hear uh, everyone else's experience um, uh, with this game. If there is anything, if you played it in the past before and now uh, find yourself either uh, like recognizing some flaws that you didn't when you were younger, or if you're like, no, the game is still perfect, which I would also understand. <laughs> uh, please write into us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. And let us know. Or if you have anything to say about Yoshi's Island, which we're doing next week, Mark, just real quickly, like tease it a little bit. What's what? Uh, do you feel super close to that game? Are you going to use a guide? How, how how are you feeling? I don't think there's any point in using a guide for um, Yoshi's Island, but I'm not super close to it. I'm really excited to play it again. Yeah, me too. All right, that is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If you like this episode, you can share it on Facebook or Twitter or wherever you share stuff. Um, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MK Mitchell, and the show is at Nincart Society. We also have a Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Ape Betty. You can get more of his music by going to apebetty.com or by listening right now. From my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Eller saying thank you for listening.
That's right, Nintendo Cartridge Society listeners, what is going down? Are you ready for a promo? Let's do yoga. Let's get fit. Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Muriel. And we're the hosts of Hella in, in Your 30s. A podcast about a cool couple trying to do adult stuff. So each week we invite you to join us as we try to learn things we should probably already know, like how does a stock market work? Can we install that bidet? Why are all of our houseplants dying? This is a podcast for people of all ages, because remember... Age ain't nothing but a number. But being Hella in Your 30s is a state of mind. So tomorrow's a new day, let's order pizza. Campfire.